Hey y'all, it's me, your girl, Jupiter Velvet from Miami, the 305, and you're listening to Grizzly Kiki. This is a Golden Fisherman want fat fish? I'ma give it to you tasty. Bread it up, fry it, and dip it in the gravy. You want fat fish? Yeah, you know you want to try it. Dip it in the butter, make the fat count higher. Higher, higher, higher. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as the iPhone X. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. You can choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way, you can try all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Daniel wears Warby Parker and now he can actually see me. And I'm considering a divorce. Hey! So to get started, head over to warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Warby Parker. Modern eyewear made simple. Thanks a lot. This is Grizzly Kiki. I'm Daniel. And I'm Robert. And we're here with Jupiter Velvet. How are you, Jupiter? I am doing amazing. I'm actually just working on my um, Bushwick outfit right now and sewing things and getting little pieces together. <laughs> oh, it's that time of year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm staring at some like white and purple fluff that's going to be my hair for Bushwick. So yeah. I'm kind of excited about it. Daniel that. was really on top of Daniel makes the dresses and I make the hair. And uh, Daniel was <laughs> Daniel was really diligent on making sure all of his homework was done. And I was like laying on the couch, like eating snacks and watching him be like, "Ooh, that's cute. I like that. Ooh, maybe we'll stone that. Like, mm-hmm. so. <laughs> yeah, I'm here like pinning and sewing and hand stitching and zippers and, you know, um, and, you know, now now our hair. But, you know, hair is one of those things that I think it's like it's a it's hair. Like, yeah, it's a know. perfect dynamic duo, though. This is like a great team you have going on. Thank you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <It's so laughs> we, we, we try and divide and conquer. And sometimes I haven't done hair in ages. So I'll like start to t- I'm like, no, I'm like, I deal with fabric. I don't just however it looks. I'm happy. Like, I, yeah, you know, totally. I, I leave it up to that. Yeah. So. And I'm terrible with a sewing machine. Like, I'm lucky I have all my fingers from the few times that I've experimented. But it's a little know. scary. <laughs> So, other than Bushwig, how else? How sorry? How's it going for you? Thank you. I just feel like a brain <laughs> fart. I apologize. So, aside from Bushwig, um, just really excited. Just planning so many new performances. I have so many new ideas and things in the works that I'm just like so excited to put out there. I'm um, gonna start doing like YouTube uh, videos and stuff, talking about like my trans identity and like Q and As and stuff because I get so many questions like. Mm-hmm ranging from like deeply personal and sometimes upsetting to like really great and and inform and um compelling questions that i want to address on camera and stuff so i'm really excited to put that content out there and share it with um viewers and stuff is there a particular question that you get a lot that you're surprised by um 
I guess I would be, it's not so much a question, but a statement that, uh, that I get, I hear all the time. And it's like about femme people doing drag and like what, like their validity. Like anybody will be watching my Instagram lives or anything. And every single time I'm on live or anywhere, somebody will ask me for whatever reason, I guess because they want to stir the pot or see like if I'll have a controversial opinion about like, oh, do you think that um, AFAB, assigned female at birth, women, mm-hmm. cis women could do drag? And it's like, yes, anybody can do drag. Like people ask it, I feel like in a way where they they want me to say something controversial or stupid. And it's like, no, like drag is for everybody. Like, it's just the funniest thing. And I get that all the time. Do you guys ever get that? We're not. No, nobody ever asks us like if we think that, um, you know, that, that, that women should should do drag. It's more it's, it's more like kind of like, you know, have you had. You know, how many queens have you had on that are, you know, AFAB? How many, you know, how many AFAB queens do you know of in New York? I mean, and, and I have to say, we have only had one AFAB queen on our podcast. That's not true. Who else have we had on? You forget, are you forgetting about, well, I don't know who you're thinking of, but you're definitely forgetting a few people. But anyway. I am? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who were AFAB? Who are you thinking of? I'm thinking of Crimson Kitty. Right. And you're forgetting about, uh, Trinity, Lady Trinity. Oh my God! Yes, Lady Trinity. Jesus, Louise. Yeah. I, I, How yeah. can you forget about Jackie so, Cuba? So we've had two queens who are AFAB, and but it's 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 like I think that's a stupid question, frankly. Like exactly, it's it's an art form. I mean, what you know? What are we going back to the Renaissance where women were you know were like discouraged from picking up a brush? You know, exactly. It's, yeah. Um, they can paint on canvas and they can paint their faces and they have you know like arms and legs just like everybody else. You know, and 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 they can paint too. It's it's so like things are exclusionary enough. Why um why why try and like promote that? Yeah, why try and gatekeep an art form that is meant at its roots to be subversive and counterculture? Like, Uh why the point of it is to not have any gatekeepers? Like, it's just wild. Yeah, and And so many people like to act as the gatekeepers, like people like RuPaul and stuff that have this mm -hmm. power to say the most ridiculous things. And at the end of the day, even with RuPaul saying like crazy transphobic things, like it's deeply upsetting. But at the same time, like. I mean, I think that people learn from, like, their ridiculous mistakes and statements. And I don't think that she has, like, bad intentions. I think that she's just, like, isn't educated. Like, you say you say dumb things when you don't know what you're talking about, you mm-hmm. know? And, you know, she's learning and stuff. So I think that we're going we're gonna to see, like, AFAB performers on Drag Race someday. And we're going to see more trans performers and more artists like that, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think that that'll be great. You're so generous to her. Yeah. You're such a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> we we genuinely don't feel like she's learning. Like I we just feel like she thinks that her life experiences are the best life experiences that anyone could have ever had. You can learn everything from just my life experiences and here they are and anything that fits outside of that is garbage. And it's like why like why are you so insular with like with that? It's it's kind of gross that she is the most visible gatekeeper of drag. Mm-hmm. It's well, it's it's also here's my opinion on it. It's a ratings thing because I feel like these comments didn't really start to be so um, 
po- polarizing or just, you know, be, be so like black and white until the show made it to VH1. And so it's like VH1 is banking on the shock value of, you know, the fact that these are, you know, quote unquote, like men in dresses. Like there's no exploration of gender identity or the spectrum or anything like that. And so, you know, it, it's still relying on that shock. And so if you take that shock away because, you know, you allow um, a queen who's AFAB to enter the workroom god forbid you know then it's like oh well this is a woman dressing as you know more like you know hyper like a hyper feminine aesthetic on somebody who identifies as female and i think that that would or they're worried that that would lessen the interest in the show yeah but maybe everybody's just assuming that femmes are inherently like a female person or a AFAB person is inherently femme. Mm-hmm. They're also just assuming that, that it's not going to be a challenge. Like we're all, we all wake up with no makeup. So it's like, you're still putting on drag and performance and stuff. Yeah. Like, like gender bodies just grow differently. Like we're all like, we were all female zygotes, like in the fucking womb. Can I curse? Oh no. Oh, you yes. can say anything you want. Please oh, do. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we were all literally like female, like zygotes in the womb. So it's like mm-hmm. crazy. Like your your genitals, just like your uh, clitoris can grow into a penis. Your nipples can grow into like have, have mammary glands. You could develop this body and your hormones and pituitary gland tell you different things. And like, but none of it means anything. Like there's this beautiful like poem that I always like reference. And it's, I forgot the artist, but it's, if you type in like Chicago, I think it's called, it's written by this like trans queer Chicago artist. Um, and it's, I think it's called How to Love a Trans Person. And it kind of talks about that, about how we're just like bodies navigating this earth. And I think it's so interesting because it's like with AFAB performers or whoever it is, it's like drag at the, it's just like being a clown. Like it's just a gendered clown, mm-hmm. but it's still, you're still just a clown. Like it's still just performance. And like, I feel like some queens don't want to accept that this is, clowning around i know you guys fully will because you guys are fucking cool but some people will not accept that we're just clowns like what's wrong Mm -hmm. with being a clown yeah i mean and and it's 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 um it's performative gender like and and if we are you know all up to date and our software has been all updated Uh it's that gender is it is a construct like not to like you know beat that phrase or till it's dead or whatever but it's like you have sex you have gender you have sexuality and then there's a million other things in between but people want to conflate them and like stick them together because because it like makes their little heads explode you know it's like wait your your chest is hairy you're telling me you're a woman no that's not oh i hear that how dare you well and that's why i mentioned it because we've been you know we 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 met you last year and we've been reading more about you lately and so it's also it's that that like we know that you've heard these things and it's like can you just focus on the person like the body and and not to be cliche it's a fucking container of course. Like, you know, maybe one day there will be brain transplants and like, you know, we can be transplanted in the into the bodies that make other people comfortable. But that seems like a lot of work to me. Yeah. And a lot of money. Money. And that'll only you know, be accessible for Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. Oh yep. Fuck her. That's yep. a that's like a story that that's like a multi-part podcast, I think, <laughs> on on the, the problems or how Caitlyn Jenner is problematic. But um, yeah. Um, and I actually found the poem, by the way. Um, it's called How to Make Love to a Trans Person by Gabe Moses. Yes, yes. it's the most beautiful thing ever. Like, yeah. please give it a listen. If any listeners are, like, mm-hmm. curious, please look it up. It is so beautiful. Yeah. I think it was written in, like, 2015 or 2011. And it's, like, I always come back to it. And it, like, 
gives me so much strength and hope and stuff. And, mm-hmm. like, it also, like, it just makes you realize, like, like, have you guys ever seen the show Sense8? No, but I've been wanting to. Like, the overarching theme of that show is, like, this, like, queer radical exploration of, like, gender and sexuality. Like, none of it exists. And that all these bodies and people can just love each other. And it's very, like, it's a really... It, it might seem a little bit, like, cliche the way I'm explaining it, but it's, like, a really beautiful take on it. But that's what I take away from that poem. It's just, like, like just love the person, like, look away. Like, it, like, talks about, like, um, do not look at a trans person's chest or, like, a you know, trans person's body, like, and, like, as if you're unraveling um, gauze from a trauma patient, mm-hmm. even though it's most likely that you might be. And all these, like, beautiful, like, um, like poems and, like, um, what do you call stanzas? Is that what it's called in a poem? I think, I think so. so. Yeah, like first stanza, yeah. second stanza. Yeah, yeah. There are all these different like <laughs> lines and stuff that are just like so beautiful um, within the, that poem, like mm-hmm. that are so powerful. Yeah, and we'll post it along with um, the audio for your interview on our website so people can can read it. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, you do the research. You've got to post it. It's so important. Totally. Um, I think this relates. We were going to talk about this later in the episode, but something that really stuck with me, you posted something on social media not too long ago where you, it was like a public service announcement for people not to refer to you as passable. And my experience as a cis uh, as a cis gay man is that for most trans individuals when they're when they are you know quote unquote complimented as being passable it's something that they use as like gender currency like oh they just called me passable i'm having a good day you know and um and i feel like it's not usually the people who are being called passable who are like no don't do that and so i i was curious to hear your explanation to our listeners really as to why that's not a compliment so i hear all the time people will tell me like oh you look so this is all the different ways you could phrase it people will say you look so passable oh my god honey you're serving like real fish today like gay men will love to tell me that or tell other trans women that and it perpetuates this like narrative and this like idea that like trans people trans women or trans well this is mostly about trans women are Mm -hmm. just trying to attain this like cis passing goal of like cis female gender stereotypes Mm -hmm. and it kind of makes it seem it's like i mean a very similar way to like describe it is like if saying like telling somebody of color telling a black person like oh you're so pretty for a black girl yep it's like a very similar thing (laughs) where you're saying inherently a trans person isn't pretty on their own Mm -hmm. i'm pretty when i put on this femme, this extra femme identity that makes me passable in your eyes. You know, it's the same thing. People tell when people tell me, oh, like you're so brave. It's like, I do not want to hear when I'm just out that I'm so brave. When you tell me you're so brave, you're only reminding me whatever moment, wherever I am, as if I'm not always thinking about it, but the fact that like I'm in danger and mm-hmm. that we're in danger. Right. Because you're saying you're so brave to go out there looking like a fucking freak or looking odd or looking different or being obviously a tranny Mm -hmm. you know like that's literally what they're telling me also my word audience don't use it if you're not (laughs) trans um right so it's just this um this fine line where it's like you wouldn't tell a cis person and it's funny i said this as well in the story i was like you wouldn't tell a cis person a cis woman you look so fish and then somebody messaged me being like i do that all the time and i'm like congrats fag that's just you (laughs) like good for you like but that's not the point like you're missing the point Mm -hmm. you shouldn't talk to people in a way trans women in a way where you're telling them you're pretty for it 
a trans person, you're pretty, you pass as a trans person. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it puts, you're putting, like, you're, like, gatekeeping what it is to be a woman. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, it's ridiculous. You're literally, like, telling them, well, today you're really serving. Like, today I could not tell that. And it also implies that we are putting on a costume, that we are still men, because we're putting on the presentation of mm-hmm. fish, of femme. Yeah. So when you tell somebody, oh my God, like you look so fish today, sis. It's like, well, when mm-hmm. I take all this off, it's not the same anymore. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you, you're not why... you're not valuable enough if you don't go through all of this, you know, like process. Exactly. You know, it's, that is, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so toxic and disgusting to hear. And there's a lot of trans people who, you know, like, don't mind hearing that and like love hearing that and like you know like passing is like what they strive for and i mean at the end of the day like you know free the femme i think that a lot of people like rely on femme to stay fucking alive like you you need to pass because you don't want to get fucking shot you need to pass because you don't want to get harassed or abused you know what i Mm -hmm. mean so it's not saying that like you know i guess in some ways like i do have like privilege a lot of privilege being like you know i i am caribbean and south american but i am like white passing but i do have the privilege of like you know somewhat being pretty and i feel like people let me backtrack for a second let me backtrack for a second i don't want to okay. i want to like lose what i was saying my mind is like racing when i talk about these topics just because I have so much to say on this all the time. Yeah. So let me think about this for a second, how I want to phrase this. I like personally with me, I'm, I, if I was born into a, if I was born as an AFAP person, assigned female at birth, and I was just born as a cis woman, I would still be a queer punk hairy person. And I have the privilege of, you know, not living in a really dangerous community and not, you know, I mean, Miami is not, you know, the area Miami I live in is not, it's kind of suburban. Like, I live still with my parents. Like, I'm only 21, so I have the privilege of, like, having a somewhat accepting family. So, you know, I'm not out in the streets, like, being forced to shave and, like, look a certain way to mm-hmm. not be abused. But there's, I mean, there's there are a lot of trans people out there, like, a lot of my Brooklyn sisters and stuff who are, like, you know, living on their own and stuff, whatever. And they do choose to be radical and hairy and, like, kind of counter culture femmes mm-hmm. and i think that it really takes like guts to go through the world like this but it's not to say that if you choose to be high femme you are less than or if you accept um being told you're passable or that you're serving fish that you are like I'm, i don't want it to seem like i'm telling trans women like that if they choose to be a certain way that they are not radical they are not whatever you like you define your own identity you define your own trans experience um you do what you can what you need to do for your safety for your immediate health and benefit like you know like don't you know if you can't be a hairy radical bitch in your area because it'll land you in the hospital then like you know weigh your fucking options because that's hard out here for trans people and i I do have a lot of privilege you know as a white passing girl white passing like somewhat semi-passable trans girl but not really though because i'm six fucking feet and like still hairy but if i wear the right outfit on Instagram Live, I could look pretty cute. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just, um, it's it's wild out here. I, that got really convoluted and kooky. Um, I had a lot of espresso. I'm in Miami. <laughs> That's what we do. I just had a fat shot of espresso, so my mind is racing, mama. <laughs> well, I mean, that was very clear to me. Yeah. I, I mean... My understanding of that is that by using the term passable, you then make less space for people. And uh, you, that's not the goal. That's like, that's never the goal. 
At least not exactly not today when we're like hyper aware of all of the problematic things that we've just kind of been sitting in. Like we've all just been sitting in our own shit, and now it's like it's time to wake up and like clean it all up. But um, exactly, it's you know it, it's a it's it is a thing where it is it, it is a survival tool for certain people, mm-hmm. and you know it's not to say that that's bad, but it's not. You know, it's the same, it, you know, I've, I've also heard people say, um, don't compliment me on my hair or something like that, because it then creates, it reinforces this thing where, like, if I, you know, or it's not necessarily hair, I think it was more like my, don't compliment me on my outfit or don't tell me that I look really pretty today or something like that, because I could be wearing this begrudgingly because someone made fun of me yesterday and, like, you don't know someone's journey but it's like, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's, there's new language that we have to figure out mm-hmm. moving forward to be able to include totally. everybody. And that's yeah, what's happening. I was just watching, I was just watching a panel from like Drag World where they were discussing like um, how to move forward in like this like age of comedy and like the right kind of language to use and kind of like address the fact that we've been you know, making humor out of things that we really shouldn't have been doing. Mm-hmm. And like that old way of comedy, like comedy can evolve, like language can evolve. I'm just alluding to comedy with this, um, just because I just saw this. But um, when it comes to like language and learning how to like navigate the situations, like people will complain and be like, we're being special snowflakes and stuff about wanting to like not trigger other people or the word trigger itself being kind of like something taken as a joke by people. It's like, this is like a real thing. Like we're learning that language has an impact. There's so many people out there that will like literally argue that using derogatory terms, like, you know, using words that don't belong to them, like the N word, it's like, but it's just a word. Like, it's just language. Like it doesn't mean anything. And it's like, we attach meaning to words and words very much can affect people and destroy lives and do so much to hurt people. So it's just ridiculous when people don't want to kind of grow with the times and just realize you know, like times are changing, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, and especially now we're in this like kind of cancel culture. I don't know if you've like, if you've heard that term before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we're, all, we're in cancel culture. People will pull up something that you said years ago and kind of like cancel you because of something that you said when language wasn't, you know, correct. And like people were just being dumb. And I think that cancel culture is a little bit erratic and um, ridiculous because I think that people make mistakes and say really dumb fucking shit because they don't know better. Mm -hmm. Like you seriously just don't know better. Maybe you didn't have access to like an education that taught you that you shouldn't be saying this. Maybe you didn't have access to, you know, documentaries and Ted talks and even friends in your community of color or queer trans friends telling you not to use certain kind of language, Right. you know? So I always think that, um, just like, like kind of, Uh, weaponizing yourself with knowledge and with research and stuff is the best way to combat misinformation and like use language to your advantage and navigate Mm -hmm. working dealing with trans people like you should know you know if you have trans friends and stuff not to like tell them you look so passable and stuff you know like and don't come to me or other trans people all the time like we are i have this on my instagram story like right now i reposted a friend's um post about this but it's kind of about um like taking time to learn on your own because google exists and you can put the research in and look up the information that you want to before going up to a trans person asking them about their fucking dysphoria or something that's really weird that like nobody wants to talk about that if i'm Mm -hmm. 
you know, being a nightlife figure, like I'm out in like the club a lot or like certain scenes where like I'm either having fun or in like business mode because I'm working and somebody will come up to me in the middle of all this and want to like discuss something deeply personal. I'm like, this is not the time or the place to have this conversation with a trans person. Right. It's like not okay. And people like sometimes just do not understand that or find it offensive if you don't give them the time of day to like explain to them the entire trans identity. Yeah. <laughs> like and they pe- just like. Sorry. No, you go. You go. Oh, Sorry. But when, when, and I, I really enjoy the point or I appreciate the point that you're bringing up because it's this. um, It's like when you're kind of not marginalized and however you're not marginalized, you know, because like gay men are not marginalized you know, the same way trans women are trans people are in general. So, you know, case in point. And so it's like, they just think that they have like access. It's like, Hey, so I saw you said, can you explain this? Can you like unlock all the mysteries of transness for me right now? Like right here in a bar at night, like not, you know, let's go have coffee. I want to learn. And, you know, can you explain this to me? It's just like, I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. And 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 that's the thing going back to what you were saying about you know cancel culture is that it's like i don't like it because i'm just like all right enough like now everybody's getting like cancel happy and like everybody should be allowed to have a chance to repent (laughs) for lack of a better word or explain Mm -hmm. themselves update their software update their software we're we're not bringing religion into this show not at all so um (laughs) you know but it's like if the person goes back, right, and is like, oh, shit, I, like, man, I used to say those things, right? And then they have a chance to, like, not explain it away, but explain what the context was and apologize. And, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot that they have to do, but to just cancel it automatically without any context, and, and I feel like that's kind of what happens a lot of the time, it's not, like, we're not educating each other. Exactly. You know? And, and when, I feel... Yeah, I feel like the silver lining in all these situations with cancel culture and that should be looked the, the point that we should be celebrating is like, okay, this person did something bad. Now this person with a platform is going to make a video or do something mm-hmm. to address it in front of a lot of people that might also learn, you know, cause everybody has their own individual like audiences curated for whatever beauty or whatever videos that they make. And now they have to address a problem and all their fans are going to watch. And it's like, instead of celebrating the fact that, well, now we have these conversations happening. We just want to like see these people on their careers and there's like numbers go down like crazy and it's like it's wild it's like we should be we should be wanting them to use their platform to make up for this mistake and to educate themselves and educate other people and speak on it and maybe invite guests onto their channel that could help them with it or like you know publish Mm -hmm. a ted talk on their own channel and stuff like that you know like there's so much there's so much uh, that they could do to help there's so much that could be done with these like awful situations and with these like crazy like doxing uh cancel culture crazy stories that are happening and it's like instead of you know looking forward to well now we could start a conversation people are just like cynical as hell and they just mm-hmm. want to see people be like taken down and it's like it's like the fall of a, a pop star you know it's like people are obsessed with britney spears like losing her shit and her mental health declining and all this stuff because people love to see somebody who has it all or what they perceive especially because this new like youtube era of people like they are they are celebrities they are fucking mm-hmm. pop stars like they are huge like they're billionaires and yeah. people love to see them be like torn down and lose everything mm-hmm. you know and i think that that cancel culture really comes from that and another really big issue with cancel culture that makes it really interesting to me is the fact that the reason why it's so 
prevalent, it's, it's because, like, so much of the youth of today, like, these really, I mean, I'm fully 21, but I'm saying with these really young kids that are out here, like, so tech-savvy and doxing people and pulling up these old receipts of, like, things because they're, like, tech-savvy and can look, look all this up, they don't understand because they're growing in a, a generation and a time where they are immediately equipped with the internet and all this information telling them how to properly address people or how to not treat people. So they can't imagine a time where we didn't know better. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very that. Like, they just can't imagine. Like, it's just hard for them to get their head around. And, like, it just takes them, like, growing up to realize, oh, okay, like, I shouldn't have, like, ruined this person's career or canceled this person because that could have easily been me. Like, they just, they're not really empathetic because they never had to experience that. They never felt, they never, they never not had a cell phone with the wealth of knowledge of the entire universe in their hands. You know what I mean? Like, they, yeah, it's very that. So I, I understand that co- like can- cancel culture is aggressive and you know that there there is the possibility to have a conversation but I am in support of it in the case of repeat offenders because it can be taxing to be like all right we have to do this with you again and we just did this so like what's happening why are we still doing this again yeah, completely. I think some people like really have it coming if they're just like, com- like if now when you're equipped with all this information, you're out there using hate speech or being a mess, then you know you have it coming. You're 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 a problem, right? But you know, I, it's the problem with cancel culture for me just stems from um, people that are like taking up really old things that aren't as serious, like really casual, like really casual, awful forms of racism. But they're just like completely like it was just the culture of like. When you're like these like white girls and white guys that just thought that because Eminem was like a rapper, they could say certain words and be stupid. And people are digging up like, like tweets of people like tweeting Nicki Minaj lyrics. And it's like they're just they were just being idiots. Like people just didn't realize what was going on. Like they just thought mm-hmm. it was OK. Right. And it's just wild to see what's happening. But you don't think anyways, there's, yeah, there's value in digging that up and being like, well, do you still think this way? Like, oh, no, I think that they're, I'm yeah, what, like what I was saying earlier. It's like I think that it's so important to call it out but yeah. to completely cancel somebody if the person doesn't respond in the correct way and like if somebody doesn't like make a, a video like discussing it and kind of listing resources like i think uh, gabriel zamora was the guy who recently got like attacked for he was like this hispanic dude who um he got what was it he it was the whole jeffree star drama recently this big thing with like laura lee and jeffree star and manny mua and all these like big beauty influencers yep um but he made an apology video and it was really good and he like linked resources to like information and like uh, like work like works and and um like books and papers he's read and essays he's read mm-hmm. about like you know using the n word and like things like that that he you know I think that's really important to like start conversations like that and spread knowledge and information out there. But if somebody is canceled or whatever, so if something happens and somebody's like something's dug up and that person doesn't respond in the right way or ignores it, then that's awful. Like then you're you're not atoning or coming clean about what happened. You're just creating you're just digging the hole deeper for yourself and mm-hmm. you're you're just part of the problem if you're not like using an opportunity like that to really address the issue instead of like like laura lee and that whole scandal she tw- tweets were dug up about her and she just kind of cried on camera being like sorry and it's like that's not what you should do like that's like you're literally like the white like you're the crying white bitch now who's like ugh, trying to like use like mm-hmm. her tears to like her white tears to like make up for the situation like she's literally just like country ass 
like Alabama white girl. It's like, girl, like, what are you doing? That's not how you should have responded to this. Right. And these people have like PR teams and shit. Like they're doing the worst job. Yeah, there's no reason. It's always like what, you know, again, it's like they (laughs) they don't have good people around them because good people be like, girl, stop. Like, just Mm -hmm. get away from your phone no people need to just have visiting hours with their phone and with their phones and technologies that are like um uh supervised because <laughs> like it's just it's too much like everything that goes through their head it's immediately like doo, 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 you know and it's like sometimes things just need to like sit and marinate and mature and when you have something to say that is worth other people's time that's when you say it but that's exactly not what people do nowadays but and we live in this time where like clicks are so like important. I feel to mm-hmm. people that they sometimes people want to say shocking things just for like the sake of shock. Like it's shock art, and it's like it's the yeah. worst thing ever. It's so problematic, and it's literally the culture of today. It's it's crazy to live through this and see it all the time. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, we're gonna take a break, but when we come back, we are gonna talk about the um, the characterization of Jupiter and how you formed her. Um, so stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the key key going. And we're back with Jupiter Velvet. And um, Jupiter, we want to know if you can tell us about the inspiration behind Jupiter Velvet as a character. So awesome. I have this like really ridiculous little backstory for Jupiter (laughs) Velvet. Um, And it's the most ridiculous thing. It's so campy, but it's very me. Um, Jupiter is basically an alien runaway teen alien. I can't say girl. I I guess she's like a teen. And she crash lands in Miami, Florida after stealing her parents' spaceship. And she absorbs all this like American pop culture media from all like the weird queers in the scene. Um, like my actual drag family and stuff that I kind of started doing drag with. So she's absorbing all this information about pop culture and like, Britney Spears and Lizzie McGuire and um, early 2000s references. And because she's crashed out in Miami, her influences, I always describe Jupiter as Patrick Nagel meets um, a Secret Life of an American Teenager, meets Lizzie McGuire, meets Memphis Design Group, meets Riot Girl. <laughs> That's how I always describe her. So Jupiter Velvet is a way for me to live out the teen adolescence at times that I wasn't allowed to growing up in this like Caribbean dominated community and Caribbean household and South American household where like machismo, which is like toxic masculinity mm-hmm. was so rampant. Like it was like, I remember being little and like, I would be so excited for Christmas to come around so I could find the presents, but I would never look for my own presents. I would look and try to like steal little things from my cousin's presents because they got the girl toys. So I would go in and like unzip tie, like, I don't know if t- toys still do that, but like, I would like unzip tie the little like, like teacup from like a Barbie set. I would take out little things so you couldn't really tell I stole something and I would keep <laughs> everything hidden like behind my bed. And then one day my, my dad found it and he like tossed everything out and like fucking, I mean, I grew up Caribbean. So like, I mean, mm. I don't, I do not like to say that like I was like, 
hit in a bad way. Like, I think that, like, I think he was not good. But, like, I mean, it built character. Like, I'm good. I love my parents. Like, they're fine. <laughs> you get but, like, spanked every it. so often. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pretty often. It was, like, <laughs> it was fine. Like, honestly, like, I, like now I like BDSM. Like, you know, like, the usual <laughs> complexes. It's fine. You know, it's healthy. I'm safe. Um, but <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my God. That's such a big mood. Like a relatable queer lifestyle mood is just like your parents hitting you. Wow. I feel like now like parents can't do that anymore, which is like, I, it's like, I guess it's a good thing, you know? But oh I don't God. know. Like, I feel like growing up Caribbean and stuff, it's just like, I never really thought of it as like a bad thing. Like, you know, I, I don't know. But um, my parents would try to like beat the queer out of me and the fan out of me or whatever. Not in like a really aggressive way, but just mm-hmm. like, you know, and they did it like, it's funny because now I can have conversations with them. In retrospect, being like, wow, it's so, like, I tell my dad this story, and he, like, kind of feels so much shame, and he's like, you know, like, at the time, like, I was thinking, you know, if I scare you away from, like, fun things, you won't grow up to be bullied and be, like, harassed or be hurt or anything, you know, because at the end of the day, my parents were just worried for, like, my safety and my mm-hmm. health and stuff, and they just didn't want me to, like, deal with a hard life. Um, right. So, yeah, I love that the question was about Jupiter Velvet, and I'm <laughs> no, I mean, parents. That, that was actually perfect because it combined a whole bunch of things we were interested in knowing. Um, and, and going back to y- y- you said something um, a few minutes ago about Jupiter allowing you to live out this this female teen adolescence that you weren't allowed to um, growing up. Do you feel like how has your personal life benefited from using her as a conduit to live out this period in your life the way that you had originally wanted to? Well, it's funny because, I mean, my, my life changed entirely because when I discovered that I could be Jupiter, like Jupiter was integral to me discovering my trans identity. Mm-hmm. I literally would not be the person I am today if I didn't discover Jupiter. I would I would have probably still discovered, obviously would have discovered my trans identity, but I probably would have been more of like trying to be a cis passing trans girl. I probably would have been struggling way more. I probably would still be in college or some fucking stupid shit like that. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> um, so it's just like great that I happened to fall into drag and performance at the age that I did. And I kind of fell into it like because it was a way for me to like play with femininity in a way mm-hmm. where I could take it off. And I wasn't too scared that I was like, because I mean, even me being trans, you know, at the time, I just like, was scared to become a trans person. Like, I was, like, really frightened. I was like, I don't want to be that. Like, I have to take this off. Until, like, eventually it was like, I can't keep taking off this, like, character and this identity. Like, I want to be, you know, femme all all the time. And, you know, when I realized it's a possibility and that I could still be myself and be hairy and I don't have to, like, strive to be any way else, anybody else than myself, then it was so liberating. And Jupiter gave me the strength. Like, my Wigwood last year, this past Wigwood, um, have you guys heard of Wigwood? Yes. Oh, awesome. Oh, my God. You guys have to come down. I could talk with Queef Latina. Bitch, we can get you guys down here. Like, it'll be so major. We have a question it's... about Queef Latina coming up. So I'm oh, excited mother. that you mentioned her. <laughs> I could go. I love my mom. Um, so, <laughs> basically, um, yeah, at Wigwood, I did this performance for the first time ever where I basically got, like, nude on stage. And I just had a panty that said Trans Lives Matter on it. I probably shouldn't talk about it too much because I'm kind of revisiting the number for Bushwag, but like I'm revamping it to like this crazy another level that I'm like so excited to do it. But um, yeah, like getting naked on stage 
I consider it naked for me, but I was just in like an underwear. But it was such a major moment because I fully had not been to like the beach or a pool for years. Like I fully had not let anybody see me. And then I let an entire crowd of screaming people and all these, my friends and these people like see me. And it was such a, people were crying. I mean, I was crying. Like it was crazy. Like it was so powerful. And like from that day forth, like I do so many performances now where like I just take off my clothes and like even now out, like I don't care if people see my body. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, like I sort of, that gave me so much confidence. Like Jupiter's, Jupiter's, Jupiter is a way for me to like try, Jupiter Velvet, I should say, is a way for me to try to experiment with confidence and for me to slowly lean into things. So like Jupiter will start experimenting with like, Jupiter Velvet will start experimenting with nudity or with, you know, like really crazy makeup. And then maybe I'll start bringing that into my day-to-day look or my day-to-day identity or like self-expression or feelings you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. she lets me be so much more wild and unhinged not unhinged that makes me sound like i'm on snapped the tv show (laughs) um but yeah that's that's my long answer (laughs) (laughs) how is your family like what does your family support look like today today it's really funny i'll never forget like maybe like a year ago or two years ago, my dad, probably a year ago, my dad, um, I was finishing, I was still going to college and I was finishing like a final in sociology or something. And he picked me up and I knew I had aced it. Like I was like the first person to turn it in and I was so like happy. I was like, oh my God, I did that. And um, he like came to pick me up and um, he brought me to IHOP. It was like really early in the morning and he kind of sat with me and he, we were talking about like my future. And I was like, you know, like I'm doing school mainly to make you guys happy because like I'm a first generation American. So it's like, there's so much pressure as being a first generation child to like, you know, be successful because mm-hmm. your parents gave up everything to flee a literal communist regime. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, that's not for all first generation of kids. I mean, some don't come from communist places, but um, my parents left from Cuba. They both left from Cuba. So it's like they left everything and uprooted their lives to come here. So there's so much pressure with that. And I was yeah. talking to him about that and he kind of told me, like, my dad was a DJ back in the day. He still DJs every once in a while and he was also a choreographer. And my wow. mom used to do aerobic gymna- aerobics gymnastics. So, like, they... like we're like artists and like understand like art and like they love music and dance and stuff so i mean my dad was kind of talking to me about drag and he was like you know like if you're gonna do this you have to be the best at it like you need to be like rupaul and when he said that i was like that's like i almost cried at this ihop like i was like are you kidding me like i could not believe my dad was saying that like, and I also could not believe my dad knew who RuPaul is. <laughs> like, I thought it was so funny. But it makes sense. If he was, like, a DJ in the 80s and 90s, like, yeah. of course he knew who RuPaul was. Like, oh, yeah. That's you know. amazing. See, it's like you just unlock these things in your parents sometimes by, like, being yourself. Yeah. You know? It's it's amazing. Yeah. It's wild. When you get older, you kind of realize, like, Sarah Silverman always says this. I love Sarah Silverman. But she says that, like, adults are just kids plus time. Mm. And, like parents are literally just like they're just kids like they're, they're just people like they're just trying to do the best job that they can to raise you and like sometimes they fuck up and or some parents are really fucked up but like at least for me like my parents like did their best and like now that they're no longer raising me as much because i'm a little more grown like we can unlock these like conversations and these like and have these like deep meaningful moments where we could just talk for like hours about things and it's the most like beautiful thing like, i never thought my relationship with my parents could be like this. And mm-hmm. there's still a few, like my parents have an issue with me. Like they always tell me, I mean, every day I hear it where it's like, they're like, they support the drag, but they're like, why do you have to go out like that? Like, why do you have to present family like, all the time? Like why, what's going on? Like they don't really know that I identify as trans mm-hmm. or I should say they didn't until like two weeks ago <laughs> um, because Miami new times, um, which is like a local publishing. Um, it's like the Miami 
I don't New Yorker, I guess. I don't know what you would call it. Mm-hmm. Some Miami magazine or newspaper. They um did a, like an article about me, and they like the title was like Miami trans artists or meet Miami trans artists and body positive activists Jupiter Velvet. And I sent the article to my brothers, and I was like, oh my god, haha, look, that's so cool. And they were like, they, my brother, my oldest brother, without reading it, the reading of the title, I don't know how it's like the fucking title. He like sent it to my parents. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I got so pissed. Like, he literally outed me to my parents. Like, they found out I was trans through it. But they haven't, like, addressed it or asked me about it mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they actually told me they were, like, proud of the article. And they were like, oh, that's so cool. Like, like it's funny. Whenever They don't really that's understand so how drag works. Like, they think whenever I travel to do drag. Like, when I got back from DragCon, because it's, like, RuPaul's DragCon, they thought that I had, like, met with RuPaul to, like, audition for the show. Like, Aww. they have no concept of how any of this works. So they always ask <laughs> me, like, oh, like, when are you, what are you doing? Like, are you going to get on? Like, oh, what's happening with this? Like, oh, like, they, they think the Miami New Times, like, I mean, it's a really great honor to be featured and stuff. But they, like, were so, like, happy. They were like, oh, my God, you've made it. And I'm like, oh, damn, good. Like, they think I'm, like, successful. Then I'm like, okay, I'm, at least they think that. Um, to like RuPaul so cast her, she's gonna be on the next season. But, you know, that's <laughs> totally. amazing. What if? <laughs> that's so beautiful. If only I, were that I mean, easy. If only RuPaul were that nice. Um, right? Oh my god. Nothing you say matters unless those cameras are on. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, you know, again, she's wide awake now. That's oh the, yeah, like girl, that was amazing. Yeah, like nothing... that was the most like when she when Pearl was describing that story, I like saw it unfold before my eyes, like in my head. I was like, oh mm-hmm. wow, like this like it doesn't seem like it's like so like people are like discrediting her and being like that did not happen, and it's like girl that happened, like mm-hmm. you could totally see that, like it's so awful, yeah. like it's so mean. Yep, <laughs> and it sure as hell sounds like a Rapalism to me. Like yeah, you know that's amazing. That like the thing with drag drag race people like people always ask like oh do you want to do drag race like would you do drag race like look rupaul said this do you still want to go on and it's like part, like i would i i'm gonna ride my path and the success that i can get without drag race as far as i can and do what i can because at the end of the day like like if you're doing drag for anything besides the art and love of doing drag if you're doing it to become a reality star like you're not doing it for the right reasons and you're mm-hmm. going to be miserable. Like drag is like, first of all, it's fucking like hard and annoying sometimes. Like bitch, I, mm-hmm. we'd be sweating. We'd be mm-hmm. like, it's not cute sometimes. It's and painful. Like, it's painful. <laughs> so it's like always wild to me when people, well, it's interesting to me when people ask like, Oh, like, do you want to get on drag race? And it's like, I do, I do plan on auditioning eventually. I haven't started yet. I don't think I'm going to do the next season auditioning. I want to wait till like, I feel like I'm more ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but people will try to shame me for wanting to do it. And it's like, when you go on Drag Race, it's not like you represent RuPaul or that RuPaul inherently represents you. Mm -hmm. You go on there and you get to have your own platform. You get to do Mm -hmm. one-woman shows or do whatever you want to do. Like, the point of it is to, like, like launch your career to a different level. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. And I think that that should be celebrated and stuff like i think that rupaul like as much as problematic as he is you know like he really is out here like chain like he changed so Mm -hmm. many lives like it's insane like hundreds of girls now have like full careers and like fans and inspiring other people and it's like major like Mm -hmm. she i feel like she probably has this big ass head because like it's true like i mean i don't know how i would handle knowing that i've done all this like 
you know, like you could either become like a goddamn guru, like fucking, I don't know, like she, well, I think she thinks she's a guru, but she's really not. She but sure you could does. either become like an Oprah character or you could become like a diva bitch. Mm-hmm. So I can understand how she like became the way she is. But um, she did yeah, both. Just, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with aspiring to like eventually try that route. Like there's yeah. nothing wrong with that route. Like I obviously do not agree with what she says, mm-hmm. but like my paycheck, if I do the show, is not has nothing to do with like her having said dumb shit. Like I'm mm-hmm. the I'm the representation and culmination of everything that she's saying that she doesn't like anyways. Absolutely. And when that's the thing, so, it's like you get on, right? However you can get on, and you just make sure that you're and I don't like this term, but it's like well behaved. You know, like you are showing your best self. You try not to show your ass if you can help it. And, and like work the producers is what it seems like you need to do, you know, to like survive. And then you get off the show and it's really what you do when you get off of the show. That's the most important, no matter where you place, you know, totally. And like, you know, if you Jupiter velvet ever get on and you come off, off of drag race, like imagine the things that you could do, you know, with the bigger paycheck, with the bigger platform and followers and management. Like I, I, I really think it's like, Yeah, like RuPaul, the producers, whoever is in charge now wants, you know, the girls to be, uh, 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 you know, to represent a very specific look or to be interpreted through a, a very narrow lens. But once those eight weeks are over and once the <laughs> season airs and whatever happens, happens, you're on your own. You know, like it's not like RuPaul, you know, like, you know, RuPaul Jupiter Velvet, you know, it's Jupiter Velvet. Like you said, it is you and that's what you represent when you get off the show exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah well speaking of parents let's talk about queef latina yes so we're obsessed with queef latina right now and have been for a while um and we were beyond excited to find out that she was your drag mother in that article that you were <clears throat> uh referencing earlier in new times and so we want to know this is like a two-parter so, one, what influence she's had on your style? And two, if you could raid Queef's closet, what one item that you're certain she'd never lend you would you take in a second without taking her feelings into account? Okay, I know that I know that answer immediately. <laughs> Let me start with the first. Let me start with the first part. Okay. Um Oh wait, I'm thinking about the I'm thinking about what I'm gonna steal. What was the first part again? What, exactly. Oh, <laughs> influence, influence, on, influence on my drag? Yes. Cool. Um, should I talk like quickly about like how I she came yeah. to my drag mother? Yeah, that's great. Cool. So when I started doing drag, I was sort of going to this party uh, called Counter Corner, which was like this like radical queer party where people were like doing performance art. Like my sister Kunst was also um, in my drag house with Queef Latina as the mother, um, and Kunst was on stage like carving the word "stag" on her chest, like with a fucking box cutter. Like girls were out there like just doing the most radical, amazing numbers. It was so grimy, so fun, um, and that was like the perfect environment to start in. And she kind of like took me under her wing and. I mean, when I say she's my drag mother, like, she would literally, like, house me. Like, I would, like, go there for the weekend and, like, say, lie to my parents and say I was sleeping over, like, my best friend's place and just go to Queef's place and, like, get ready there, sleep over there, whatever, do drag. And I would, like, come back home with, like, try to hide all the drag because my parents <laughs> didn't know I was doing drag. So, like, she literally, like, taught me so much. I would just get ready with her. And, like, her, I feel like a big part of my drag now, like, with when I said my the story behind my drag, like, crash landing into Miami and, um absorbing all this mammy pop like pop culture about like 
teen girls and uh, being taught by the queers, like that kind of has to do with queef because me even citing Patrick Nagel as one of my influences for drag, that's kind of one of her main, main things. Like when you see queef, I feel like Patrick Nagel is kind of like an immediate thing. Like she's, her whole house is Patrick Nagel. Like everything that she's obsessed with is Patrick Nagel. Should I say who Patrick Nagel is? Yes, please. So Patrick Nagel is that like, oh my God, I feel like I should like research it exactly to know exactly what era he was. But I want to say like, well, we'll say 80s, 90s. 80s. 80s. We'll 80s, say 80s. yeah. He was the 80s, like, artist who kind of revolutionized this, like, really, like, femme fatale, like, art, uh, like, very, like, linear, like, graphic, very Memphis design-inspired, very, like, creams and, like, lavenders and, like, mm-hmm. neon greens and stuff. And he um, very, very much inspired, like, art deco design in Miami and stuff mm-hmm. as well. And, like, my, the my look of Miami and feel of Miami, which yes. is essentially just queef. That all really inspired me. And if you don't know who Patrick Nagel is, he's like the art in every nail salon. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I I think of those mirrors with the women on them, mm-hmm. which exactly. I really want one for our apartment. I, I mean, not that we have room for it, but I would just, I would love that to be like my, our bathroom mirrors, like just three <laughs> ladies, you know, they're so amazing. Yeah. Her whole house is like, I got her like a Patrick Nagel poster and like these like Ugh. pins and stuff. Everybody always gets her stuff. Her whole house is like Memphis design. Like, it's so cool. Like, I love staying over there. It's amazing. But, um, yeah, so I definitely was very inspired by her love of Patrick Nagel. And she kind of showed me all this. And I mean, sipping over there so often, like the whole house and all these people like that she was friends with and that were in the house with her, like they all would show, like just cast videos onto the TV, like random YouTube videos of like these like weird, obscure clips and films and music and stuff. So, so much of like early influences in drag, like all came from queef and these people like showing me everything mm-hmm. about culture and drag and like queer culture so i owe a lot to that to, to them and to queef um and what i would steal it isn't an outfit but it's this one wig that she has she did like this it, it's like this she did like a country look but it's this huge wig like literally huge like bigger than that one trixie mattel wore on drag con that she has like seven wigs stacked oh my it God. was like she used like pool noodles to make it really large and like put the hair around it. And it's so funny. Like it looks like this huge like helmet, like even bigger. Like it's just, it's, Is it blonde? it's a sculpture. Yes. Oh. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would steal that. She would like, I literally would never even ask to borrow it because she would murder me. Like it is so wild. She like, it's the coolest thing ever. Like she has the best wigs too, but they're like such a particular aesthetic. Like, I could never borrow them because they're so queef mm-hmm. that I could never, like, it'd be so obvious that I was, like, borrowing. Like, I, it would be like wearing your mommy's heels. You know what I mean? I like, it would just look like <laughs> stealing my mommy's hair. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, just, that's my answer, definitely. She's putting a low jack on it right as yeah, right? we speak. <laughs> it's like the find my iPhone, but for, for wigs or something yeah. like that, you know? Oh. Exactly. I, lo- I love that you picked hair. That's amazing. I don't know why, but it, it's like... I would never think to take hair because it's such a, I mean, I'm thinking of like what's easy to carry, <laughs> you know, and it's like stealable in a way that I could like stuff it in a bag. And I'm like a wig. I would just like put it on and like, you know, take the, the wig straps and put them under my chin and run, I guess. I mean, I can't even oh my imagine God. like a helmet. Just be like, doo, 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 doo. no, this, this is mine. Like she lives right yeah. next to the bay, like the Miami Bay or like, what is that bay even called? Is that called Biscayne? Yeah. Biscayne Bay, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. 
I think it's Miss Game Bay. She lives like right next to it. So I would literally just take that damn wig and throw it into the water and just, like swim away because it's made of damn pool noodles. Stop. So I would just float <laughs> off into the distance. Oh my god! Not catch me. Oh my god! That, like, was, that imagery is amazing. I was imagining yeah. you running down. Uh, is it Collins Avenue? What's the main? Well, no, that's like that's like the beach. She lives in like oh. Wynwood, like Biscayne area. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, it's like. People think of Miami, they think immediately of like South Beach and Collins and Ocean Drive and right. stuff. That's more like on the actual island, like the beach itself. Um, she lives like off the island, like inland, um, oh, but close okay. to like the water. I, yeah. In any event, I was imagining you running down Collins Avenue and her chasing behind you, like, oh before, like with all of these Art Wigless. Deco buildings as the backdrop. <laughs> oh my God. Just put a camera in front of us <laughs> and like a montage. Ugh, incredible. <laughs> I can feel a Bushwick performance mm. percolating. <laughs> 2019, you just steal her hair and run out on the on the catwalk. Oh my god, incredible! <laughs> <laughs> um, let's take another break, and then we're going to talk about emergence and Bushwick when we come back. So awesome! Stick around; we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle. And we're back, still with Jupiter Velvet here. And we're going to talk about this new documentary that you're in. Um, it's entitled Emergence, and it explores gender and drag by profiling six queer performers. Um, can you tell us how you started working with Carly Evans and Cassandra Keith and how you became involved in this project? Totally. I just had a panel like two days ago um, about the film with Carly and Toto and a few people um, and Queef and stuff. It was incredible. Um, so we, Carly has been a part of the scene kind of very early on. She started going to Counter Corner like um, maybe a few months into Counter Corner. She was on assignment from Miami New Times to like shoot there. Um, and we immediately like just took to her and she wanted, she was just like blown away and was like, how come nobody is like documenting this? Like, it, and you know, to have her there was like incredible. And we kind of all like bonded immediately and she was just really cool. And she always loved us and always did like free shoots and stuff for us. So she came to us, um, maybe like a year ago, um, with the idea to start, um, a documentary about the Miami queer scene kind of following like six figures in the community and telling the story of our drag and Miami drag and gender identity. And it started out as a project for the University of Miami. Um, and it was like a final project for score a thesis, I believe. But um, they're taking it, they used it like the first part of it for that. Like they use like the rough cut or like the a cut they made for school, but they're actually going to like release a full feature length version to like submit to festivals and to, like to spend more time on, but they did a version for their class. That's how it all started because of the class. And um, it, it still needs more funding. Um, there's an Indiegogo campaign that I would be so cool if you could link as well, but I think Absolutely. it ends in a week. Oh, no. <laughs> so, 
Um, it's got I'm a little sure. longer than that. It's like it's two weeks, I think, that it has left. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, sharing that would be a great idea. Um, so it's still there's still crowdfunding, but um, yeah, the film. Uh, she kind of came to us and told us that she wanted to create a short commercial type uh, look at our drag personas, along with interviews and video or documentation of us as we get into drag and the process of us like doing drag so like for Koontz it's like her like creating like the foam sculptures that she uses for a lot of her pieces um and then like um uh the, her little feature is um this beautiful like Russian song and it's like rose burning in front of her that she's reaching out for as her mouth is watering and she's like drooling and stuff it's like beautiful and then Toto's is a workout video and like everybody has like something that's very like particular to their drag like Queef has this amazing like 1-800 queef me like sex hotline video that's like so 80s so patrick <laughs> nagel like it's so sensual it's so funny oh my god and then mine was a lizzie mcguire spoof like it was a disney channel um mock of a tv show from <laughs> the um perspective of an alien so it's like what an alien girl would think making a sitcom about american teenage life would be about so i got to cast all my friends like androgen and um sensitive black hottie and um king femme and stuff and we all played like fun characters and miss toto was like the bully and stuff um and it was just like so fun like it was the best experience and i remember seeing it for the first time at a carly had a gallery opening night where we all performed and stuff and we finally saw the film um and i like as soon as it started it opened with queef's um introduction and I immediately just started crying and like all throughout the entire thing, I was just like sobbing. It was just crazy to f- not feel for once that like, and this might sound really like dramatic, but sometimes it feels like when you like things are so like ephemeral and like if they're so, they're, they're not going to last forever at all. And that nobody's going to like catalog it and you kind of feel like it's this beauty with it. It's like you feel so great that like, you know, this, this beautiful experience lives like in our minds, but to see it like translated to film and to see myself like, it was the first time I saw myself, like, as this, like, beautiful, like, powerful, like, when I was putting on my makeup in the film and talking about identity, I was like, holy shit, like, it's the first time I ever really thought to myself, like, oh my god, I'm Jupiter Velvet, like, which might sound really pretentious but and stupid, but it was the first time that, like, because Miami, like, there's really not that much exposure, there's not that much drag here in the sense of our opportunities here for drag artists. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of drag here now, but with opportunities, there's not that much money, like, our gigs do not make as much as people think, like, like it's fucking awful at the end we're paid fucking shit sometimes it's crazy like we're like exploited it's it's wild we all a lot of us do free shows all the time like i still have to do free shit sometimes like there's like really no money like it's like and we're a city where you need to drive like transportation is awful so there's just a lot of factors against drag queens here in miami like, there's no goddamn wig stores that are nice like there's no like drag queen go-to place um so with um like finally seeing myself in a way that uh, I don't know. It was like seeing myself from the outside in, like actually seeing myself talk about drag in Miami and seeing all my other sisters and stuff be represented. It was like wild. Like this film, it will move you. It is so beautiful. Like we're all such diverse artists. Like everybody is so different and we mm-hmm. all bring something so unique to drag and the scene. It's just so special watching it. Like it really defines like Miami drag at its core. Like it's just about diversity and love and fun. Like because we're from Miami and we're from 
Miami really is an extension of the Caribbean. Like, it just is. Like, we are all, like, whether, like, you're a white person, whether you're black, whether you're whatever you are, if you live in Miami, you become Latin because you become Caribbean because <laughs> Caribbean culture is, like, all about, like, community and family and everybody's, like, a huge extended family. Like, mm-hmm. it's just crazy to see my family, like, my queer family, like, be represented and be shown. And you kind of get this really big sense of that and you get to see all this magic and like power that we possess and it's just insane and we still need help with funding so if you have any resources if you want to share if you want to join the campaign um we're like i think my stickers are are, are um a gift if you donate and toto has like pins um i think queef has like a there's like wigwood shirts too if you donate like 15 dollars, you get a wigwood shirt so there's like incentives as well if you know you need a reason to donate but um you know, I hope it's reason enough to, like, just want to help this queer project stay alive and help us, like, poor-ass Latinx queer Miami bitches get some representation and kind of be shown on film. Like, it's it's important and it's powerful. Mm. And we will have a link in the show notes and on the website. Yeah. So be sure to awesome. check that out. Um, so Bushwick is coming up. It's tomorrow. Essentially, at least, yeah. At, at, at the time that we'll be releasing this, it'll be tomorrow. Um, we were curious, like, what keeps you coming back? Like, we know what keeps us coming back. We were curious what keeps you coming back. Um, I love Brooklyn. Like, I don't care for Manhattan at all. Like, I was in, <laughs> when I was, my first time in New York ever was last year, Bushwig. And, you know, Queef originally was, like, my drag grandmother is Mary Cherry. That's Queef's drag mother. So it's just, like, wild, like, to have these connections and know these people here. And, like, I was, when I came, I was immediately, like, so well-received. It just made for such a heartwarming, like, beautiful experience. Like, my first gig when I got there the first night, it was at Macri Park. Mm -hmm. And it was funny performing there because I had seen videos of, like, Sasha Velour and all these artists that I love, like, Mm -hmm. Untitled Untitled and stuff. And, like, you know, like, Casey Lader is a good friend of mine. And, like, you know, she would talk about performing there. And it was just crazy to finally be there. And, like, it was just, like, there's so much history and, like, culture there and it's just like it's wild like so many of my sisters like i love harajuku magenta untitled queen i love like so many performers up there my sister mother Teresa, is she's originally she's from my drag family but she moved to new york so she's incredible she's like this hairy genderfuck performer as well um and i just keep coming back because it's like it's the place for an artist like me like in miami i have to like struggle so much but in new york there's so much more opportunity mm-hmm. except like i don't want to live there because it's fucking expensive um, yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but for drag queens like there's a gig every single night and they pay up like over 100 at least you know what i mean like it's like at least cute like you know in miami we like i barely it's it's crap so it's just like i love coming up there because I, i'm finally paid to do the numbers that i want to do and all the money i'm making from these gigs like i immediately just invest in like costumes and wigs and things that i could use to mm-hmm. like really do outstanding numbers up there and you know like performing like when i get there um the friday night that i get there i'm doing a show with androgen at rosemont it's like the warm-up um mm-hmm. then i'm doing bushwig on saturday my set time i guess i could announce it now i'm sure it'll be out by then i believe it's like eight was it eight yeah i think it's eight eight forty five ish um and oh, I'm they doing... put you in like the prime time slot yeah yeah it was super cool i was like so excited that's amazing yeah <laughs> and then um i'm doing a sunday party with um wednesday westwood magenta and um Minnie Horowitz, who I also am obsessed with. Um, I'm doing <laughs> a show with funny. her. 
also at the Rosemont, and then I'm doing Oops at the Rosemont that Wednesday. So I'm just, like, so excited to go up there and do these shows. And, like, last year when I was there, I wasn't even 21, so I couldn't even get into the Rosemont. Oh, wow. <laughs> and now I get to, like, perform there, and, like, oh, my God, it's, like, so exciting. Like, I cannot wait to party with all of you guys. I'm um, so excited. I can't, Like, we can't wait to see you again, because I remember we, like, almost like literally bumped into you last year yeah. backstage and we were like hi and like you told us a story about the eye patch and your costume and and that's really like we just like became so enamored of you that we were like oh, we need to like and Ryder caught track us Ryder caught our reaction because you showed us what was under mm-hmm. the eye patch and Ryder was filming in the background and we had no idea and it was such like a beautiful moment that we included it in the footage mm-hmm. that we took yeah I saw it's so like, good. oh my god yeah, and we were talking about you the other day before we got the email with the opportunity to interview you, and we're like, "Oh man, I wonder if Jupiter's coming back." Mm-hmm. Like, and then the interview and came in, and we we're yeah. like, "Yes, mm-hmm. it's like signs. Yes, it signs are <laughs> everywhere." <you know? laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah. So that's our. Fa- I mean, our favorite part is getting to meet people who come from like all over the world to perform here people like you and you know the uh, the other standout for us was neon calypso so like oh my god i love her she's such a baby i'm obsessed yeah every year it just like it's such a playground i'm excited it's amazing i just got emotional i'm excited about it (laughs) (sighs) just like i have to like come down from it just a smidgen okay um so we, uh, the, the other question we have, interestingly enough, now that we mentioned Neon Calypso, is that we want to know, do you feel that performing at Bushwig last year for the first time increased your visibility? Yeah, definitely. I think performing on that stage with all those people was so magical. And pe- I, because I like jumped off the stage and kind of like went into the crowd and started like voguing and dancing, like, mm-hmm. I guess not a lot of performers did it because this, like I kind of didn't even realize when I was doing it, how far off the ground the stage was. Yep. And I was like, Oh shit. Like I was like, how am I going to get back up? But luckily as soon as I was going to get back up, I made eye contact. Well, my one eye contact with this <laughs> one guy standing right to the left of the stage, looked at him. He gave me a nod, did not know who he was, never got his name. He grabbed me by the ass and threw me back on stage and I plopped right back up and I was like, perfect. And everybody was gagged that it got off and on so easily. And I was just like, it was so much fun. But I that just, I moment so looked rehearsed. That's, that's what it's that all moment about. totally. I was watching that video the other day. That moment looks completely rehearsed. Yeah. You wow. Could, you couldn't convince me until now that that wasn't somebody <laughs> that you were like, hey, I'm going to do this. And when I do this and I want to get back up, you're going to help me. like but that's what it's all about everybody's so kind of in sync at bushwig like it's um we're family it's it's my favorite event of the year like i'm not even lying it's so um as uh as crazy as it can be it it's remarkably chill you know like because everybody's there just to have a good time and appreciate the art form and appreciate each other it's just it's so terribly nice you know um but yeah, it was something that we were very interested in because it's it's such a big deal, you know, Bushwick and all, like the festival, that I feel like girls who perform and artists who perform there really kind of get a big push from it, which is always nice to to find out yeah. about as well. And this is going to be an even bigger push because to have like the names they have this year, like with Sasha mm-hmm. and like Pearl and stuff, like it's just going to attract like such a great crowd. I remember the only reason Sasha wasn't there last year is because she was like on Drag Race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like dealing with Drag Race. So, yeah. you know, like she's always there usually. So it's going to be like so major to have like such a big crowd because people are going to be there to see these artists as well. And like 
people that come there because all they know is drag race because like at the end of the day like even with like wigwood and stuff like these festivals like it's like for the community but a lot of the times they just attract outsiders but the beauty of it is that these outsiders kind of come and they end up seeing all these local girls or other girls that aren't drag race girls and they fall in love and they're like oh my god like drag is everywhere and it's not just drag race and that's like the greatest part of it because like performing for my friends is amazing but they're already my friends i want to make new friends like i want to meet mm-hmm. new people and attract a new crowd and like the performance i'm doing this year i'm making like a, a statement with it and i'm uh really excited about it it's just gonna be so magical and i cannot wait to perform it for everybody and for you guys and just it's gonna be just like oh I, I can't like i can't believe it's like literally a week away <laughs> or tomorrow i should say it's tomorrow <laughs> already poof um <laughs> <laughs> so we want to talk about the stuff that we're obsessed with right now do you have something that you are obsessed with right now jupiter oh my god i cannot believe i'm gonna say this on camera i am obsessed with fannies no mustard fuck do you guys remember that from <laughs> Wait, what What was that? Did you say panties? No. No, mustard. Oh. <laughs> That's that video of Thorgy Thor. Oh, my God. Like, I'm obsessed like with suit. mustard. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. I always say that when people ask me like to tell a fun fact. I'm like, I'm obsessed with mustard. Um, you know that she buys mustard from, like, the gas station, right? Like, Thorgy Thor? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Coop. She buys Coop's She's mustard from the gas mustard? station. Mm-hmm. Gas, oh, gas station mustard, not even the, the fancy mustard. Oh, God, that is I know. Awful. Yellow, <laughs> yellow mustard. But I do have a serious answer for something I'm obsessed with lately, and it's Glow on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Season two just came out. Um, well, not just came out, but I just finished it. It is so beautiful. It is such a subtle, like, look at the 80s. Like, it's not, like, forcing 80s down your throat. It's, like, it's just, like so beautiful the storyline is so powerful like oh i just love it like such great writing such beautiful characters these women are such like badasses and like oh my god it's definitely like a must watch if you have not seen glow on netflix um yeah that's definitely an obsession for me lately yeah (laughs) season one was great we haven't we haven't started season two yet but it's on our on our our list of like lots of things to watch that we haven't caught up with yet um, well, okay, I'm going to be very narcissistic about this and just say that I'm really obsessed with my Bushwig look at the moment. <laughs> um, I can't really describe it, but it's it, it involves like six inch or seven inch high, like mirrored gold platform sneakers that I just bought. Oh, thank God you said sneakers and not heels. Cause I was gonna yeah. be like, girl. No, what I, what I made could be very prissy if I did wear heels and I didn't want to do that because when I sew... I, I'm I'm not very good at making draggy looking things. I, I like to stick to um kind of more fashion y um things based on like different designers that I like. And so I, I think I'm really excited because I'm gonna look like this metallic fuchsia origami poodle. Oh I that's as love that. That's like <laughs> as close as and now hopefully my face will match because that's the where you know, the like the boo-boos happen, but I'm very excited <laughs> about it. Like I, I'm, I can't even tell you how excited I am about this look, but yeah, there. I've and, indulged my narcissism. And my thing <laughs> is that we finally got to see crazy rich Asians and it was so fucking good. Like I loved this movie. I can't wait to see it again. And in the interest of not giving away anything, 
Um, I just want to say, like, there's a moment in the wedding scene that brought me to tears. And I hope it brings you to tears, too. So there it is. I need to watch it. Everybody's been telling me about it, and it needs to happen. Get ready to become obsessed, because it really is just, it's so good. And there's, like, something for everybody, which I feel people say a lot, and it's not true all the time. But I think everybody can relate to something in this movie, like, across all cultures. Like, it's... It's so well done and so sensitively done that I'm, I just think it's amazing. I love that. I become like obsessive about things. Like when you ask me what I'm obsessed with, like I like go into like binges of like watching interviews about glow. Like if I watch crazy rich Asians, mm-hmm. I'll probably like start literally like binging interviews and trying to find out all I can about the film. Like I'm just, I have a really weird personality. I do the where same I want thing. To know everything. Yeah. I no, was like the same way. I was like, what are the economics like in Singapore, really? And so like I went to, <laughs> to like the Wall Street Journal and I looked up because I'm like, hold on a minute. Is this for real? You know, and um, yeah, I went into a hole for like two days, just like reading articles that then led me into like all sorts of economic stuff that just goes over my head. So I was just like, OK, reel it in. This is not what we came here for. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and then next is our attitude and gratitude section um, where we talk about. Something that we want to give attitude to and something that we're grateful for. I am Switzerland this week, so I don't have any attitude or gratitude. So I will leave it up to you two. Well, we should let our guest go first, Daniel. Yes. Well, that's why I said <laughs> to the two of you. I, I did not specify. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jupiter, do you Jupiter. have something, that, something to give attitude to and then something to give gratitude to? I will give attitude to any and all gatekeepers of drag gatekeepers of any sort of community or anything that believe that they have a right well i guess i should really apply this just to drag i don't know what i'm saying about any other community (laughs) um you know like (laughs) you cannot people that want to like tell people what they can and cannot do like drag is literally just art like get off rupaul's dick like it's not drag race drag is not the only kind of drag like Mm -hmm. that's the most annoying thing for me when i get comments being like oh you need to shave though or oh like you need to do this or that like in regards to my drag and it's like girl you have no idea what you're talking about like do your research like this is literally what drag is about like it's annoying so i i send attitude to those people (laughs) Mm, yes and gratitude who would i send gratitude to um, how about you hit it with your attitude and then I'll do my gratitude and then you do your gratitude and we'll go back and forth. Ooh. So I too do not have an attitude this week, but in place of having an attitude, I would just like to say Daniel and I just started the keto diet and we feel amazing. We've been cooking all kinds of crazy shit and we don't feel like we're missing out on anything. Tons of energy. I mean, I love it. It's really what I'm... I mean, Crazy Rich Asians was great, but it's actually what I'm obsessed with is looking up recipes. Uh, We made chocolate chip cookies yesterday that were keto. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. Come on and ride the train or whatever. (laughs) I made chocolate chips yesterday for these cookies. Yes, you did. Which is (laughs) not... Not easy, but he sat there with a ball of chocolate in his hand and rolled each chocolate chip by hand. It was crazy. And before we get an email saying, but you could have melted it. I did. Yes. And there was Mm -hmm. a chemical reaction with stevia. So if you were trying to make, you know, sugar free chocolate chips, use powdered stevia. Don't use liquid because you will end up with chocolate clay. Yes. Oh, my God. And then sit there like Lucy rolling tiny chocolate balls. Because they were, I love imagining this person yeah. emailing you 
to read you on your chocolate chip. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I just think so highly of myself in the podcast. I just think everybody's <laughs> listening and is going to chime in. But you know, like I, I just feel like it's one of those things that I would think of if I heard somebody said, "I'd be like, why the fuck didn't you just melt it and put it in a piping bag?" You know. True. Um, but I had the piping bag at the ready, and they did not want to cooperate, so we did it a different way. But they were delicious. <laughs> mm. Are you ready with your gratitude, or should I go ahead with mine? Um, yeah, I mean, it would only be fair for me to go to gratitude now, because we said back and forth, and Aaliyah, <laughs> like she said, we're going to go back and forth. <laughs> um, so, um, for gratitude, I guess right now, I'm really thankful to my best friend, Jessica, for helping me, like, literally sewing, because I don't have, my sewing machine right now is with Androgen, um, and they're, like, traveling currently, so I haven't been able to have it with me for a minute, so my best friend's been coming over, and they're literally, like, in the room right now with me as we're <laughs> filming, or <laughs> recording this, um, we were sewing actually um and they've helped me they whipped up my um the, the cowgirl look that i did like for the charlie xcx thing that i just did and my bushwick number and it's really exciting and we're just learning so many new things so i'm really grateful for my creative team <laughs> which is literally just her shout out to jessica mm. shout out to jessica <laughs> <laughs> um and my gratitude goes out to jack a harry we all appreciate you and um yeah if you don't know what i'm talking about then you know what what are we doing here <laughs> it was messy but i loved it like yeah you love a mess um yeah you i really do i will say uh, anyway i don't want to talk about the other person involved in this but Oops. i love you jackie harry um and with that that brings us to the end of our episode thank you so much for ju- doing this with us jupiter um thank you so much for having me thank you guys oh we had so much fun yeah it was amazing can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media so you can find me everywhere with at jupiter velvet and um yeah that's it put your paws (laughs) up high (laughs) (laughs) and we will be uh providing all of your social media links in the show notes and on the website so yes people can find you and we are grizzly kiki on everything that means facebook twitter and instagram so be sure to follow us and you can send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com and maybe we'll read them on the air and don't forget to subscribe on itunes well thank you for listening see you next friday, friday.